a gamer because I love the creativity and the imagination. I'm also primarily a miniature painter, so I love being able to use my models for something uh, with application. Uh, my name is Allison Sharman, and I am a Gamerati. For the Gamer. Crap! I did it wrong! <laughs> Gamerati.com. It's good to be a gamer. Vapor Network is the bomb. The cutting edge of geekdom. Comics, advice, D&D. Movies, video games, RPGs. Finding it's easy just to stay calm. VorpalNetwork.com This episode of The Tome Show is sponsored by Sentinels of the Multiverse, a cooperative superhero card game, and listeners like you, thanks for using the Tome's Amazon store. Welcome to the Tome Book Club, where we discuss, in depth, one D&D-based book. Mm, maybe we're uh, stretching the definition a little here. <laughs> and I will be leading our romp today as your host, Tracy Hurley. And I'm your co-host, Jeff Greiner. And this month, our book was the IDW comic book series called Dungeons & Dragons, which seems to make sense given the theme. We typically like to have the authors on uh, for the books that we're going to discuss, if we can pull that off at all. Uh, this time, however, I was not able to whip up enough uh, mojo to get the attention of anybody to actually respond to my emails in order to get the author on. But then again, he is a busy guy, uh, what with writing a comic book and um, that other job he has, um, producing, directing, and writing shows like the Transformers movie, Catwoman, uh, although, okay... Uh, and Leverage, which is pretty universally fantastic. So Leverage! Um, I like Leverage. Oh, yeah, I didn't tell you about this part. <laughs> uh, you're going to get all professorial on us? <laughs> well, I figured, I figured since we um, don't have a, an interview that we could, you know, give a, a brief history of D&D comics, as, at least as, as I understand it, um, not being an expert in, on the subject at all or having done um, much of any research on it at all either. So we're going to have Uncle Jeff's story time? That's right, Uncle Jeff's story time. Now, I, I assume that the IDW D&D comic that we read for this episode is the only experience you have reading a D&D comic. Um, pretty sure. Okay. I mean, I can't say I've never seen one before. But I don't recall seeing one. Okay, so if you read one, it was you know in your youth and, and not something that is memorable. Correct. Okay. Well, I I I was a, a comic book collector from way back in the day, right? As a kid, my mom used to bribe me to behave well when she took me to the grocery store by saying if I if I behaved well, she would let me buy a comic off of the spinner rack there in the in the grocery store. And every nice. and every now and then, I'd pick up a a D and D comic from somewhere here and there. Uh, and so I, which is really an awkward way to read it, right? Because you don't get the full story, right? Um, and that back in that day, it was it was DC Comics that was publishing the D and D comic, and I would get a, a chunk here and a piece there and whatever. 
but it, it intrigued me, right? And as a kid who was already interested in fantasy and gaming and D&D and all that, um, it grabbed my attention. And so actually recently, uh, IDW picked up the, the rights to reprint and publish those old comics. And so I've been buying up those trade paperbacks um, and, and reading those. I just finished reading volume two of both the Forgotten Realms comic and the Dungeons & Dragons comic, which is actually kind of strange because they published – the D&D comic and the Forgotten Realms comic at the same time. And both of them are set in the Forgotten Realms. Right. <laughs> so, so one of them is the Forgotten Realms comic and the other one is just a D&D comic that happens to be in the Forgotten Realms set in Waterdeep with characters that like they know each other and they, they cross over regularly. They grew up together. Same block. It just seems sort of, yeah, that sort of thing, you know? And, and it seems like anytime they add a new character, it's, it's somebody that was related to somebody that they already knew or whatever. Um, and then I just finished um, this volume two of, of the Dean of the Forgotten Realms comic. And that one, that last one, the last, I guess, issue of the collection is what was called the, the TSR worlds annual for whatever year that was. And that one was all Spelljammer, and it sort of introduced the Spelljammer comic, which started, you know, the, right after that one. But it crossed over with the Dragonlance comic, which IDW is not reprinting that I know of. Uh, but it also crossed over with both of the Forgotten Realms-based um, books, um, the Dungeons and Dragons book and the Forgotten Realms book. So it's interesting to see all these being sort of re- reprinted and recollected. Um, I know um, who was it on Twitter? Just uh, Lowly Minion on Twitter. Um, was saying that he does not think that the old Forgotten Realms book holds up very well. I actually thought the old Forgotten Realms book held up pretty darn well. I enjoyed it, um, rereading it quite a bit. The the one that didn't, in my mind, hold up as well was the Dungeons & Dragons comic. Um, the old original Dungeons & Dragons comic feels like, like the first 12 issues feel like them forming the party, and then the next 12 issues are them going off and doing side quests like with just two characters. So they spent right. they spent all that time forming a party, and then don't do, tell any stories with them as a party. <laughs> the party, right? Uh, whereas the Forgotten Realms one does feel like a more cohesive storyline, and they they work as a party, and and you know that kind of stuff. So I don't know. I enjoy it. I I still think it has merit, um, and and there's a lot of things there that that I don't know. I I, I especially like the Forgotten Realms book. Now. Right. After that, I mean, they, and then they also had you know various other books, right? Like the Spelljammer book, which I also vaguely recall. So if you want to do spacefaring D and D, that's a good place to go. Um, after that, there was no D and D comic for a while, and somebody in the in the chat room will have to correct me if I'm completely wrong. Um, I don't remember there being another D and D comic book off the top of my head until um, until third edition came out and then they put out a couple of D and D comics um, that sort of coincided around the time of the launch of third edition D and D, uh, which were decent. Um, they, they lost a lot of sort of the camp of the original, right? So, so the originals were, were kind of corny and, and campy and um, kind of made fun of itself. And that was okay. Um, the newer one it, with the third edition release. And I don't even remember off the top of my head who published it was not nearly as campy. Um, it took itself very seriously and, and uh, you know, was set in, in a core world and, and what have you. Um, and I think, honestly, I, my, my impression of that one is that it probably took itself too seriously. 
to the point that I kind of got bored. Now don't get, now don't get me wrong. I'm a comic book fan and I'm a D and D fan, so I bought and I read them all. Um, but it certainly wouldn't go super high on my list of D and D comics that are awesome. It, it, it had a great look though, uh, and it wasn't horrible. It just I was looking for some more of the fun that I get out of you know playing D and D. Right. Then we jump forward into the current D and D comic series where IDW once, uh, I guess IDW for the first time, um, got the chance to start publishing D and D comics. And they started with the dark sun comic and Dungeons and Dragons itself set in the, the generic, I guess I, I'm doing air quotes for anybody listening, which is everybody. Cause nobody can see me. Um, generic setting of the Nintir Vale. Um, and then they also did one for dark sun and then they've just recently started publishing, um, the Drist based comic as well, which tells a very specific, and I think it's a mini series that tells a very specific s- set of stories in between a couple of the Drist novels. So it, it's not one of those that's going to go on uh, ongoing, right? They, they have a specific timeline that they can fill in. And after that, they start interfering with existing timeline. So there's those. And we'll get into the, um, the D and D book together. Cause you actually read that. And the other ones I'm just jabbering at you, right? Yep. Okay. <laughs> um, but I can say my impression was I didn't particularly enjoy the Dark Sun book. It was it was okay. If you're really into Dark Sun, it's not bad. It's just not it didn't it wasn't awesome. Um and little spoiler about what I'm gonna talk about before, it especially did not stand up when sitting next to the D and D comic. So now you get a little bit of my impression of the D and D comic. And that is the brief history of the D&D comics as I understand them. My almost certainly incomplete, I probably missed something major, and you can all yell at me and email me and call in the voicemail and tell me why I'm wrong at 919-BizTone. Do it. Even if you agree with him, just do it. <laughs> just, just to make me cry, which is not hard to do. Oh, I don't like to cry. <laughs> yes, because I cry so easily. Yep. All right. Before we get into the next bit. And now to mention our second sponsor of the episode, Sentinels of the Multiverse, a cooperative, non-collectible card game where you're forming a team of superheroes and go toward a villain. Game with plenty of replay values, randomized cards mean each game will be different. Uh, check it out by clicking the link in the show notes. I actually saw a box. Though. The box looks really nice. I thought. Really? Well, I mean, I don't know what to, to base on, but I thought it looked pretty good. Uh, when I saw it, when I was out in Seattle. Oh, it was at a game store in Seattle where you saw it? Actually, one of my friends brought it to, uh, we were hanging out in the hotel lobby, but we didn't get, a, I didn't get a chance to play it. I was so tired that night. You and your crazy adventures in Seattle. Yep. Greater Than Games is all about making the games that we've always wanted to play. We love playing games, and we love our ridiculous process of game creation. The most important thing to us is to make the sorts of games you want to play available to everyone. Go to sentinelsofthemultiverse.com for more information. All right. Well, now it is time to talk about the IDWD&D comic, written by John Rogers and artist Andrea DeVito. So, Tracy. Yeah. You are not a comic book reader. No. And I made you read comic books. I know. How did that go for you? It went okay. It went pretty well. You did you enjoy the experience of reading comic books? 
yeah. Is it, it was, is it something you would continue to do in the future? Mm, <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, I liked it. So I, I liked a lot of it in that it did feel kind of like you were actually listening to a gaming group. Mm-hmm. Talk a lot of like they did a great job with that, mm-hmm. and I li- and I like the uh, kind of the notes in the margin part where mm-hmm. uh, he he's doing the voiceover, and sometimes it was you know funny. Uh-huh. Like, oh, you think I would have known better, but no. <laughs> uh, so that was cool. Um, I don't know. It was pretty good. I I'm just not a big. I don't like looking at a lot of the artwork for long. So I think it's just like that art style just doesn't overly appeal to me. So one of the big draws for comic books is the art. Sure. And so if I'm not going to appreciate that, then there isn't a lot of reason to draw me towards it. Okay. See, now in my opinion, this was by far the best D&D comic that has been published. Um, okay. There's nothing I've read that, that's anywhere close to it, and because it's because uh, it understands its audience, right? Um, it yeah. un- it understands that it's 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 writing for a bunch of people that have played the game, and it captures that experience of playing the game. You know, it do- it, it tells a serious story, but at the same time, doesn't take it so se- itself so seriously that it doesn't feel like you're listening in on somebody playing. A game, you right? Know? And, and that's what I said. It's, it sounds almost like an actual play, like you're actually watching them play, almost. Right. Absolutely. I mean, there are even moments where they're cracking the kind of jokes where it's where it's like, you know what? If I if that if I was a person in that situation in real life, I don't know if I would say that, but you would totally crack that joke in at the at the game table. You well, know? it's like the dwarven made part. Yeah, and that was like early on, right? The, in the first couple of episodes or issues, um, yeah. the dwarf and the elf are, are constantly sort of jabbing at each other, and the dwarf's always saying, basically, the, the running joke is that anything of decent quality at all, even if it's bad for them, must have been dwarven made. Dwarven pastries with their custard center. <laughs> right. And you know, I uh, I actually went through and, and reread all this, so I've read it off uh, twice now because I read it as it came out, and now I've read it a second time uh, to prepare for this. And I think I actually enjoyed it more the second time, um, which is saying something because I don't normally do that. I don't normally enjoy something more as much or, or more the second time because you know I know it's coming. But there's so much stuff now that that I caught and that I realized was going on that plays into stuff that happens later that I didn't even think about at the time. You know, right. um, early on they they hint at certain things and certain storylines that that are yet developing. You know, um, the idea of of uh, is it what's his name? Call is that the dwarf? Yeah. Um, of, of his, you know, his love back in the dwarven home, um, and there's some rocky situation there. Is I, I didn't even realize until I went back and reread it is hinted at or or actually pretty explicitly stated in like issue two or one, you know. Uh, but that right. is, but that doesn't become the major storyline until like issue ten. And I thought that was cool. Uh, and we have we've had moments of sort of highlighting um, the background and the stories involved with almost all of the characters, uh, with the exception of a handful. I mean, we don't really know much about the tiefling uh, and her background yet. Although there's a bunch of, that's been hinted at, so I expect that we will. Um, we don't know much of anything about the the halfling rogue who who honestly feels more like the um, the cliche, right? You know. 
the, the halfling rogue is there as the typical greedy halfling rogue that is largely is largely comic relief in the whole thing. I heard a lot of blah blah blah, not gold blah blah blah. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's a quote from 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 her, right? Um, but at the same time, th- there's a risk with that kind of a uh, character that it's just going to get old and boring, right? That is just oh, it's just continuing the cliche. Uh, but right. but I, but I don't feel that like she gets just enough screen time, and her lines are just awesome enough that she continues to be fresh and and funny. You know, I feel like if they ever did, you know, just a real focus on her for a long time, then it would get old. Right. Um, but they give her just enough screen time that that, that I find it hilarious. I, I continue to find her hilarious, even though she's the one character that doesn't seem to have much of a background or history. Isn't the ranger a little cliche, though, too? Like, I think most of them have a fair bit of cliche to them. Well, I don't know that I would say cliche so much as they all fit archetypes. Mm. Does that make sense? I guess. I mean, I guess I I, 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 I might be splitting hairs. Uh, It's just a matter of one of them has a negative connotation and the other one doesn't. (laughs) Right. Because they all all kind of work for The fighter's in love with the Aladrin woman. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, of course, her father does not approve. No, but, but and and you know the the paladin dwarf is of course a cliche. The halfling rogue is is a cliche, or at least an archetype, right? Um, elven ranger. The elven ranger, the tiefling warlock, uh, and then you got the human fighter. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like there's enough there that sort of oh yeah breaks the breaks the the cliche a little bit, especially like with uh, with Fell, right? The 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 main sort of narrator character guy, right? Um, the human fighter. Who who's a human fighter and a former mercenary and, and all these kinds of things that that totally fit, fit the cliche, uh, but then he keeps like speaking in naval speak, which doesn't make any sense for somebody who fought in as a soldier in a war as a foot soldier, right? Um, right. And, and we don't really have much of an explanation for that, and I suspect that we will get explanation for that later. But there's just these little hints uh, and nuances and shades of gray and whatever um, that is just different enough to make the characters interesting, even if they are fitting into a lot of standard sort of cliches. Well, and doesn't, um, oh, what's her name? Bree mentioned something about pirates too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that sounds right. That sounds familiar. And one of the pains. And Fred was very happy that they came up with a good reason why a, a thief and a paladin would adventure together oh yeah yeah well, at least why the thief would be happy about the paladin you know it didn't even occur to me um that that you know again that's that's also a pretty typical gaming experience um story right um right i don't know again i don't know if i'd call that a cliche so much as a commonality in our in our experience as, as gamers oh yeah i wasn't necessarily saying it was a cliche no no, no yeah but um but just the idea of the paladin and the thief and, and how the, how they're going to get along and all that what did you think of the overall story? Uh, you open up with with uh, something strange is going on in the, in the town. Uh, what is the town? I'm not. Falkrest? Yeah, thank you, Falkrest. I'm not Mister Super Nintir Vale guy, so um, most of my <laughs> most of my experience with the Nintir Vale is is probably reading these comics because um, I don't buy a lot of the adventures and things where they've where they've used that setting. So <gasps> I'm sorry. Yes. I don't typically buy a lot of published adventures um, because I make my own adventures. So, 
Uh, yeah, so it's in Fallcrest. They kind of hung out. They were already a group, but there's a, even they've been a group for a little while, right? So we get the first story. Well, and then all, we get a flashback. All of all of them have been a group for a while, except for um, the tiefling. Whose name is what is her name? Uh, Tisha. I want to say it's Tisha. It's Tisha. Yeah. Atara, I think, is her sister. Right. Right. So yeah, she she was introduced in like episode zero. So she's she's the newbie of of the party. Right. She's joining the party. Right. So they're in Fallcrest, and and wacky things start happening. People are mind controlled, and orphanages burned down, and and what have you. Zombie babies. Zombie babies. Uh, and then they they end up discovering that there's um uh well, uh, is a doppelganger. Trying right. to do funky things with portals underneath the city. Right. Then what happens? Oh, and then they blow stuff up. And they have to go <laughs> through the portal. That comes later. First they gotta hunt down the mimic or the doppelganger. Well, oh, I thought you said that they already were doing that, okay. okay. Yeah, they hunt down <laughs> the doppelganger and they run into the bunch of orcs. Uh-huh. And then there's this huge fight between, because it was a, uh, I didn't quite understand who they came across. Was it like a caravan or something? Yeah, I think it was just a merchant caravan who was being harassed by these orcs. Right. And the, so they, they talked their way out of a huge orc fight. And, uh... Well, they sort of talked their way out of it. They also sort of ended up fighting a bunch of orcs and killing a bunch of people. Right. Al- <laughs> Is it Aldric or Aldric? Aldric. I forget how to pronounce his name. Uh, Ald- Ald- Aldrich? Aldrich goes into uh, one-on-one combat with the orc chief. Which was really just a stall tactic. Yep. While the rest of the party, in particular the ranger, is trying to find the doppelganger. Right. And it turns out the doppelganger is the orc chief's uh, priest. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah, so they kill him, but melee and uh, everything goes crazy uh, before then. But then they manage to, you know, after exposing that, they manage to sort of sep- get convince the orcs to go off on their own and leave people alone. Right, they made a diplomacy check. Right, exactly. Yeah, you know, there are moments where... Um, I, I don't know that I can see the dice rolling in the game or in the in the, in the comic. Um, right. But I definitely catch references to what they're doing that are related to the game. You know, right. I, I don't think it's so bad that, that, it, that it takes me out of the story. But every now and then it's like, hey, I know that power. You know, I, I know what the Rangers just did. I recognize split the tree there, you know. Right. Well, and, and there's also parts like, you know, in my opinion, a good DM – would let it these are the funner more fun stories to tell than sometimes playing in my opinion playing a very simulationist realistic game so it's like you know you let it go crazy enough they they let's say lose some healing surges and then you can continue on and with the story because that's more fun Mm -hmm. I, i i feel that's what like that's what it feels like to me 
I concur. Now remind me, because it has been a week or two since I've uh, read this through for the second time. How do they get from the Oryx then to dealing with the the portal issue? Uh, they end up. Do, do they end up back in Fallcrest? I think so. I, there's something. Uh, that maybe issue four. There's some, yeah, there's something that bridges that gap. And we and we're introduced to the gnome, I think in this in this situation, right? Right. Was it them coming back into town and then uh, being arrested, more or less? Oh right, yeah they they came back in town and were were going to be arrested. Uh, and then weren't those people attacked too? Well, those people yeah. en- those people ended up being the people that were arresting them ended up being mind controlled. Right. Um, or so they whatever. had to flee but not kill them. Right. And, then, and and try to figure out what was going on. And that's when we. That's also when we meet Jinx, the the gnome, who was the former captain that was you know the the previous person in charge of Adric and his mercenary company. Adric and Fell are the same person. Adric Fell is his name. Um. And so we get a little bit of the a hint of his background and all that. Um. And Jinx's Jinx's is is interesting in that he's not a very typical gnome. When we talk about you know all the a lot of people meeting the archetype, uh, Jinx on the surface, you know, oh, he's the gnomish spellcaster, right? He he sort of fits uh, a profile there, Um, but he he definitely in personality does not meet that profile. And isn't he a little skinny? I don't remember I thinking of him as skinny, but I do think, remember thinking of him as a significantly less nice person than I expect from a gnome. Oh, God, yeah. He's not a particularly nice person. For a gnome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's constantly... Well, I mean, he has his, totally his own agenda and mm-hmm. keeps that pretty close to uh, his chest sort of thing. He doesn't tell them about it all, but he orchestrates this long thing. That takes like five years to to play out. Yeah, and, and some of that, I mean, I always sort of wonder in, in some of those situations, you know, was it really orchestrated down to the detail, or was it just manipulated so that maybe these opportunities would would present themselves? You know, because I don't, I don't necessarily feel like he's mastermind enough to have have actually pulled off a putting everything and putting all these wheels into motion, but I do feel like he manipulated things to keep the right people around so that when an opportunity came up, he could take advantage of it. Right. You were going to ask something? Well, I thought he said some, I thought he was one of the ones that, that said something about there were no coincidences in the Feywild, but I could be wrong. Because I know that comes up a couple of times. Mm-hmm. So in any case, they end up... Um, trying to figuring out that this is also having to do something with portals going wonky and releasing all this energy. They, they end up uh, hunting for what is it? Oh, it's the, the, what they call it like a world key or something, right? It's a, an old dwarvish uh, artifact. Right. Is this after, wait, where are you at? I don't know. Where am I at? (laughs) So they go, Wait, so they go to the portal. They trigger the water trap, which was cool. Yes. I actually... I, 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 there are 
elements of that ex- that part of the story that I liked. Um, some of the the combat sequences and and the idea of having to split the party, uh, but but doing it you know sort of accidentally. Um, I liked the uh, the skull, the flame skull. Yeah, although it reminded me of the um, Skullport skulls. Oh, it did. Yeah, it reminded me more of Mort from the um, the uh, Planescape video game. Oh, there's a there's a little floating skull that that is sort of a comic relief character that follows you around in that video game. Oh yeah, and then you'd have to go back to Shakespeare and everything. Right. right. <laughs> it's just like a, a I, floating skull. Like, just kind of reminded me of the Skullport skulls. Sure. Which, which ties sorry. back to a previous book club. Exactly. Book that we read. Very nice. You're, you're building a, a experience with the culture here. I'm connecting with the community. You are. Good to, go you. So they end up down there, and they find out that uh, elves are, or Aladdin are being enslaved to build this portal, and it has a bunch of other dwarven world keys in it, but it's not complete because they have this other one um, that they took from the, the doppelganger. Right. Um, things go awry. Their world key gets too close to the portal and messes up everything, and the portal goes kablooey. Oh, yeah, they, but part of the kablooey they did on purpose, didn't they? Yeah. Because there's no other way to get out. Right. There was no way for them to um, to stop what was going on. There was going to be this horrible army of Fomorians from the Feywild that were going to come in and, and conquer everything. Those Fomorians, they, they like to conquer everything, don't they? Yeah, that's what they do. That's what they do. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to speak disparagingly about Fomorians. I've never actually met one in person. It's probably a smart move. <laughs> So, uh, so what they were doing is they were actually taking the the forge um, of the the this ancient dwarven ruins and setting them ablaze so that the whole place would be filled with lava, and that was that's how they're going to stop the the army from getting through. Right. But then they realized they couldn't get out, and the only way they're going to get out is going through the portal. Um, they jump through the portal, but because they have this other world key, it messes up all of the magics, and everything goes kablooey, and they end up traveling backwards. Well. I guess they end up having one of them has a vision, sort of of his, of his past and his history, right? And we get some some backstory there. Right. It's almost like they told us this story to tell us another story. It is almost like they told us this story to tell us another story. Like, like this. Like this is a carefully crafted and, and plotted uh, uh, tale they're they're building. Right. So the other story happened way before the tiefling joined the party. Yes. Like five years before, about I thought. It sounds good to me. It's it's when uh, we get a little bit of the story behind the history between um, Adric and is it Juliana? Is that her name? Yes, the Eladrin woman, who only sort of makes cameos in most of the actual story. Right. Uh, they're searching for a uh, a Worldfall city, a Feywild city that comes to the material plane or whatever they're calling it in this uh like what was it once every 10 years something like that yeah something like that there's a specific specific series of events and and you know alignment of planets and whatever and then the city would cross over between the two uh the two uh, worlds and they keep telling us it's an abandoned city nobody lives there nobody at all should be easy right go in do some research get out but is it only had 24 hours is abandoned the word they use? 
because they were they were very clear um, at one point. Oh yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Abandoned. Abandoned is the word they use because they're very clear about distinguishing the difference at one point of there's a difference between abandoned and uninhabited. Right. <laughs> just because it was abandoned doesn't mean there's nobody there anymore. It just means that the people that were meant to be there left. But, you know, people leave. They don't have good reasons, right? They just often leave leave everything behind because, well, maybe they don't like the color on the wall anymore, right? Right. And it's easier to just abandon the entire city than it is to paint. Than paint. But it turns out they had a reason to abandon the city, didn't they, Jeff? There were these um, horrible, drowish abomination things. Right. So they weren't just drow. They were abominable drow. Right. Which they were actually a, a specific creature. Um, and the name escapes me, but there's, they're basically demonic drow creatures. As I, as I recall the, the history of drow-based monsters. Right. I don't know if you remember the name of them. I don't. Okay, well. My players don't like drow. <laughs> but in any case, you have these demon drow things um, that they end up being swarmed by. Right. And how do and they, they get, how do they get out? They they find the teleportation circle. But but the big wizard that led the whole expedition out there gets left behind. They sort of <laughs> force him to to be left behind in order to uh, right to get, to get well, away. And it's it's. Aldrich's girlfriend who gets upset, right? Like, I, this was made by my people. I could have done this. And he's like, yeah, but then I would have had to leave you behind. Right. And, and of course, he says this right in front of the officer. <laughs> who is now opening the circle for them. So. Yeah, and so he's not very happy. And, no. that's, and that comes up later. Because as this, as this whole... Um, flashback storyline ends they end up in the Feywild right they were very they, they were hoping in the first one that they they didn't end up in the Feywild because they're still just first level and they knew they would be <laughs> killed <laughs> if they ended in the Feywild mm-hmm. so so yeah so now they're in the Feywild and they're not just any part of the Feywild his uh Girlfriend's father's <laughs> part of the Feywild. The girl, yeah, the girlfriend's dad is is in charge of the. I mean, he's some sort of you know he's I would he's not an Arkfey, but he's certainly not um, not without consequence, right? Right. He is somebody of some importance and doesn't like Adric and doesn't like the fact that Adric is spending too much time with his daughter, um, you know. And is certainly not happy about the whole thing, but it also seems to be more interested in his own machinations than anything else. Right. And so he he's willing to to use them in order to try to accomplish one of, some of his goals. Because there's a war going on right now, right? Well, he's it, it's the same enemy that that they were worried about before, right? It's the it's this Fomorians that are trying to bleed over into our world. And so he's he doesn't like them very much. And and we also meet some uh, gnomes, right? Uh, we do meet some gnomes, uh, slightly more typical gnomes. Although, also, <laughs> I, I, like it was a pretty dark uh, take on gnomes. 
you know, right. that they're sort of, they're the bottom feeders, right? You've got the Fomorians coming in up from the Underdark and you've got the, um, you've got the, um, the, 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 the Allowgen in their, in their high up towers and what have you, as, as the gnomes explain it, right? And, and of course their battlefield is the ground in between where the gnomes live. Who basically right. they've developed all these abilities to to turn invisible and to to use illusions and that kind of stuff, um, not because of their cleverness or ingenuity, but but as sort of a survival mechanism. It, you know, right. they, they survive these fighting this fighting in these battles by getting out of the way and hiding. Right, and so they're going to leave the five adventurers there uh, as a present to the uh, to the bad guys. Right to the Fomorians. And hopes that it'll slow down, slow them down long enough to get out of there. Right, and that's was kind of, it. Was kind of a cool thing. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, you're introduced to the gnomes when you try to save one from being attacked by by quicklings, uh, and you successfully do so, and then they reward you by capturing you and hanging you upside down. You know, to be left as as fodder to slow down the enemy, so you could get away. No good deed goes unpunished. Right, but of course, uh, Juliana's dad shows up, the the super powerful Aladrin, and is um, begrudgingly convinced to stop the enemies to and save the gnomes, even though he doesn't really want to or care about the gnomes. Which you know, right. which then furthers further makes you realize you know why the gnomes did what they did, right? Because clearly nobody looks out for the gnomes. Right. I mean, the guy could have cast a spell and saved him, but didn't want to, to go through the trouble. Right. And he's like, come with me now or I'll start killing the gnomes sort of thing. Yeah. So he sends them on a mission then to um, go off to um, – what's the, what is the artifact they're collecting? Do you remember the name of it? Uh, wasn't it like a world guide or something or a guide key? <sighs> something like that. It's some something to do with with planar travel, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's the same artifact that they were originally supposed to find back in that city that crosses between the Feywild, back in the flashback. Right, and this time he's like, "Hey, but look, you don't have to wait ten years; it's right up the road." Yeah. Uh, and and how does that go for him? Well, they get there and they find all the drow creatures dead. So some they- so somebody beat him to it. Somebody beat him to it. And it's the mark of the Fremorian. Fremorians. Mm-hmm. So, it's off, to so the, they, it's off to the Fremorian city. Yes, we must go down deep. And Into actually, the Underdark, right? And I, and I actually really liked um, the scheme that they sort of figured out. Like, they, they were. I, I liked that, that they sort of depicted that they were all sort of sitting around chit chatting and coming up with a plan and strategizing. And it reminded me a lot of, of gamers sitting around the table saying, okay, here's the situation, and then spending like five hours trying to figure it out about, right. about what they're going to do and how they're going to do it or whatever. And then Bree, the halfling, uh, basically just says, look, guys, I do this. This is what I do. I got this. <laughs> just, just listen to, the, to my plan, follow my lead, and we'll all get along great, you know? Uh, right, and and it was it was it was actually pretty brilliant. Uh, I really enjoyed Bree's little scheme, and, and I guess it it felt a lot like the guy who writes Leverage writing a D and D comic. Right, crazy, right? Because because it was totally a Leverage 
couple of issues where they pulled off this scheme. Like it was, it was a caper of getting into the impossible place to get into and stealing the impossible artifact to steal and getting them, getting the bad guys to actually throw the artifact that you want out into the, into the streets so that you can w- just walk out with it, you know? Right. Well, very oceans. Uh, which one was it? 11 or 12? Yeah. One of those. But but it it feels very much like the typical caper that that he he does in leverage right. But it was it right. was very D and D focused and and I thought very well done. I enjoyed it a lot. When do we meet the druid? Not a, be- not the druid, the dryad. Dryad, sorry. There's a difference. Ah uh, no. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Um, they meet the dryad on the way to the Fomorian city. And we we learn uh, Cal's special talent. Like, we'd already known a little bit about it before, but this is the first time we... We heard it. We heard it. Yeah. Uh, and that's, he's a poet. Called, call, uh, reads, or recites some poetry for the Dryad in order to convince her to um, let them go. Um, which actually works out pretty well, because as they escape with the artifact, they are being pursued and end up just sort of uh, pulling off the escape by, by running back through the Dryad's Grove. And getting her to uh, take care of their pursuers for for them. Yeah, it's the uh, Guide of Gates. Yes, yes, thank you, the Guide of Gates. Come on, listening audience, why didn't you help us with that? <laughs> how, how big is the audience now? Four? Yay! We were up to four, and then down to three, then up to four, then down to three, then up to four. So we've gone up and down from three and four. So... From there, they they managed to get back, to, get the Guide of Gates back to the Aladdin City, um, and the Caper continues, doesn't it? Back the, to the Aladdin City because he he doesn't give it to the person he's supposed to. Right, uh, which actually I, I didn't even sort of think about that before because I was so caught up in that moment of those those two issues where they're in the Fomorian City that that's sort of the leverage leverage like Caper sort of story, um, and then. I end up I, – I'm not now as I'm thinking back on it realizing no, but there's always sort of that epilogue part, right? And and taking it back to the Elagian City was sort of the epilogue part where they were saying, you know, hey, it's not done yet because we still have to pull the caper on the bad guy who wants the artifact. Right. And they managed to get the um, – they get the, the guide of gates. Is that what it was again? Yeah. Yeah. Guide, okay. So they get the guide of gates to – one of the uh, the Aladrin who was being enslaved way back before they had the explodey portal thing, before they came to the Feywild, who had been – his spirit had sort of been trapped um, under the control of the this Aladrin master, Juliana's dad. Um, and they and so they get the Guide of Gates to him be, because all along they, they realized all – they realized a while back but they never told us, you know, in, in narrative in, in a very sort of caper story sort of style. Um, that they, that he was actually somebody of high importance, and that if he had the book, would be able to do something to restore all these Aladrin and uh, help the former slaves sort of reassert themselves and and put Juliana's dad sort of in his place, right? Which was pretty much made of awesome. Oh, totally. Because yeah, isn't he like the he knows the Prince of Summer or something like that? Yeah, the the, is it the Prince of Summer, or Queen of Summer. I think isn't, isn't that the the Aladrin lore? Is the Queen of Summer is like one of the 
tip top most important Eladrin ish people. Fake fake people. So he's the arcane lord of El by Hell. Which was the name of that city that they went to to find the Guide of Gates. Right. Uh, and yeah, so I mean, he puts he puts Juliana's dad in his place, you know, and and let's you know, okay, you made it out, and I'm and I can protect you, and I can get you home, but understand, you've made an enemy of this right. this powerful Ladrin, and I can't protect you forever. So, yep, and it is the queen. He sits on the summer court. Yeah, yeah. So, so he he's connected to people really high up. I want to know how he lost his eye. I I just sort of assumed he lost his eye in the being captured and enslaved sort of thing. Right. Uh, I guess I didn't expect there to be a storyline behind that, but... So. Uh, so then they get back, and that's kind of the end of that story, isn't it? Yep. They save the day, and now it's time to go on to other adventures. Like in epi- issue, was it 13, where they go on to try to find Call's lost love? Right. And that's where we're at now. And that's where it's at now. Although, new comics came out today. I didn't see if there was a new D&D comic. Uh, I, I mean, I read number 13 today, so... Okay. So, the line was um, by the gnome. I forget his name. Uh, utter coincidence, my dear boy. I mean, who could plan that your chance exposure to an abandoned city five years ago would eventually bring rise to a, to a rival of the Aladdin Lord who crippled me? Like, who would have thought that? Yeah. Sort of, sort of implying that that he set you know this this whole event started five years ago and he set it all up just so that he could um, get revenge on the on this Aladdin Lord who took you know, who, you know we didn't actually talk about this but took his arms at one point. Yeah, he's got new arms. He he's, likes them. He's got new magic arms. Yeah, which he highly recommends. He he sort of suggested that anybody um, up for the opportunity should have their arms destroyed and get new magic ones. Which is which is also sort of a typical sort of D and D thing, right? Right. People run into a magic arm and they're so willing to sort of cut their arm off in order to use the magic one. It's like, you know what? I don't know if that's something people do. <laughs> I don't know if anybody would cut their arm off for a magic item in real life. If magic items were, of course, real life. Ooh, so that issue has the iron golem. Mm-hmm. That block. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, and one of the things I sort of, um, as much as I prefer to read my comics these days um, as in digital form, I, I'm, right. re- I'm really enjoying reading my comics digitally. One of the things I, I, I miss out on, and, and I, I guess I never actually got in on it before either because the comics I was getting in physical form, um, I didn't get these either. But they put out, for the D&D comics, they put out a, a, um, a module version. Right. Which is the comic, but it, the front of it's made up to look like an old school sort of D and D module, and then it actually has sort of a little adventure that that's you know from the story, right? In there for you to play, uh, which is really cool. Um, but I've never actually had a chance to to play with it myself. So that's my story. Yeah, and that's the D and D comic. So. Dun, dun, dun. You're not going to keep reading it, huh? I don't know. We'll see. So, I mean, I think part of it is just that I don't read a lot of comics, so 
like remembering to buy what will probably happen is like two months from now I'll be like oh yeah that D&D comic and then I'll buy all the old episodes, all the old issues and read it you know what that's actually not a bad idea anyway that's that's the way I've gotten to where I'm how I'm buying my comics lately um, where I won't read comics like I'll I'll spend two months just reading other stuff and then I'll go back and I'll read you know when I'll, I'll build up a backlog of comics and I'll just read a bunch of them at once because I enjoy that storytelling that experience more right having that month in between sometimes you kind of forget what happened before and you're or you're not quite as connected to it right and then uh i just don't like the tiefling's artwork (laughs) but that's just me so eric in the chat room says they stopped doing the the module um but logan bonner earlier tweeted that he did module versions for Driss number one and D and D number eleven. So apparently they're still out there somewhere. Maybe they're just harder to find. I don't know. I'm getting apparently we're getting conflicting reports, but I'm gonna trust that Logan, if he says he wrote them, that they're there somewhere in the world. Yeah, and issue eleven's the one with the iron golem in it. Like the at the end. Cool. So I'll have to uh, remind you every couple of months to read the D&D comic. Yep. Now that you're hooked into it, right? So which uh, which race was the tiger guy? He's a Rakshasa. Okay, he is. Okay. He even had the backward hand, backwards hands. Like I would know. I'm trying. How do you not know? What do you mean? How would I know? You are Miss Super D&D person. Um... I've been trying to catch up on everything. Do you know how much D&D lore and books and novels and everything there is? I'm just one girl. Yeah, but you're like Supergirl. Oh. <laughs> well, thank you. I suppose we should wrap this up. We've been talking for a good hour now. Well, we should uh, thank our sponsor. Uh, we want to thank all of our listeners in the uh, live Mixler chat room here. Uh, it's fun. I really enjoy sort of having being able to chit chat and have people commenting and having some conversation there. Uh, so yeah, and our next book club episode is what? You suck. Everything I need to know I learned from D and D. You've been peppering me with questions all episode. <laughs> <laughs> so Tracy, how could people get a hold of us? Uh, they can send us an email at the show at gmail dot com. They can find us in the forums at gamershavenpodcast.com or call in our biz line, 919-BIZ-TOME, 919-B-I-Z-T-O-M-E. And you can find links to all kinds of things that we talk about and show notes and what have you uh, in the show notes at thetomeshow.com. And this has been the D&D comic episode of The Tome Show Book Club. We uh, took a journey into the Underdark and into the Feywild and had all kinds of fun with uh, conniving Fey who are not nearly as happy as Fey ought to be <laughs> as we looked at the IDW D&D comic. On this episode of The Tome, The Tome, The Tome. I'm on the wall.